Welcome to the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. This is where we connect with healthcare providers from various clinical settings to learn more about how they are leading through innovation, protocol development, and integration of evidence to provide excellent clinical care to their patients. Join the conversation with your hosts from Medical Affairs at Baxter Canada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. My name is Michelle DeGloria. I am a medical science liaison with the medication delivery team at Baxter Canada, and I will be your host for this episode. As always, our goal is to bring you interesting and relevant topics that impact your day-to-day practice as a clinician. I'm excited to speak with our guest today, Dr. Kyle Waldman. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Kyle Waldman joining me today. And I'm wondering, Dr. Waldman, if you would be able to give us an introduction to your current role, your experience, and any interests that you have. Of course. Well, thank you for having me, uh, Michelle. Um, so, yeah, my name is uh, Dr. Kyle Waldman. I'm an anesthesiologist at uh, Humber River Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. Um, I'm also the operating room coordinator there and the anesthesia lead for our surgical department for all our outpatient peripheral uh, nerve catheter programs. Uh, in addition to my clinical work, I also hold a master's in quality improvement of patient safety, which um, currently I primarily apply towards uh, improving the quality and efficiency of our ambulatory surgery programs. Amazing. Um, what I'm really interested in is knowing from you, what is regional analgesia and why is it important? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so regional anesthesia basically just refers to using local anesthetic, the same medications you would get at the dentist to freeze or anesthetize your teeth, but we use it to freeze or anesthetize different parts of the body. So basically the way it works is an anesthesiologist uses an ultrasound machine to locate the nerves, which send uh, pain information from certain parts of the body to the brain. So after that nerve has been located, a small amount of local anesthetic is then deposited around the nerve and this temporarily interrupts pain signals from reaching the brain. So basically, you don't feel any pain after your uh, surgery. Um, I guess the second part of your question, why is it important? Um, so regional anesthesia, as part of a, a multimodal analgesic pain plan, can really assist in patient uh, recovery from surgery. They get much uh, more pain-free. There's also some evidence uh, that it prevents uh, chronic pain from also developing in the future, and probably most importantly, it, um, the nice thing about it is it, it really decreases the need for taking opioids postoperatively, which can make patients feel quite terrible. Absolutely. Um, when we're talking about regional analgesia, is there a difference between um, continuous versus like a, a single shot or, or what primarily do you do in your practice? Sure. So um, a single shot, uh, just I guess for people listening, would be referring to what I kind of just described, where we locate the nerves with an ultrasound machine and we inject some local anesthetic around that, um, which is great. And that works for certain surgeries, which, you know, uh, do not have a, a ton of pain associated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for surgeries which are more painful, such as a, a, any sort of total joint or any sort of arthroplasty, uh, continuous regional anesthesia is, is a great thing. So, like I said, continuous regional anesthesia is similar to regional anesthesia in that local anesthetic is deposited around the nerve, again, to interrupt pain signals. But in addition to just the local anesthetic, we actually have a small plastic tube called a catheter um, in, in place around the nerve. 
And this catheter tube is then connected to a small bottle of local anesthetic, which continuously infuses local anesthetic. So this enables us to prolong the pain relief provided by regional anesthesia from typically with a single shot, you get a couple hours. But with the continuous regional anesthesia, you can actually get up to what we do three days. So that's a significant significant difference from um, usual if it was just a a one shot, um, obviously going from only a couple of hours of pain relief to multiple days uh, would be very beneficial to patients and their caregivers, I would imagine. Absolutely, yeah. So it's about a six-fold increase in duration. So, yeah, patients really appreciate it. And it really makes recovery a much more pleasant process. And earlier you mentioned multimodal analgesia. So I'm wondering if you could just explain that a little bit more and, and help me understand why um, someone would want to consider a multimodal approach to pain management mm-hmm. versus, you know, maybe traditionally what we would associate, as you said, you know, here's some opioids and take this and and just manage your pain? Sure. So, so multimodal analgesia, I guess as the name suggests, involves using multiple different agents or types of medications or even interventions to treat and probably most importantly to prevent uh, pain in the future. Um, so some of the benefits are first being the reduction on the reliance of, of opioids. You know, opioids have their role. They, they've been the cornerstone of, of our management of moderate to severe pain for the past century. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they are incredibly effective at treating pain. However, uh, unfortunately, they come with all these unpleasant side effects, um, nausea, vomiting, constipation, dizziness, drowsiness, itchiness, physical dependence, uh, urinary retention, and even in certain unfortunate circumstances, addiction. Right. So, yeah, so anything you can do to re- reduce the reliance on that is fantastic. Um, I guess as another point, there, there's a large amount of mounting evidence is showing that using multiple non-opioid medications such as acetaminophen or Tylenol, anti-inflammatories like Atzel or Celebrex, and other agents such as uh, gabapentinoids such as Lyrica, in conjunction with um, other modalities of pain control like continuous regional anesthesia, well, they all work together synergistically to not only reduce pain but prevent pain in the future or prevent a patient from developing chronic pain. So using all these different modalities of pain control together allows you to use less of each drug, thereby, you know, reducing the side effects associated with using a single high-dose agent. Amazing. That's so Mm -hmm. interesting. When you think of uh, the synergistic nature of medications when used in combination, having what sounds like much more positive outcome for patients uh, in the long term, even if we're looking at uh, reducing the risk of chronic pain syndromes, et cetera, that's... It's phenomenal. Oh, exactly. And we, we've actually had patients in our hospital, um, you know, coming in for a, um, a repeat arthroplasty or, or if they've had knee surgery, having knee surgery on a different knee. And we, we see this all the time where patients have had a, a knee or a shoulder done in the traditional sense. I can actually even recall one patient who had a shoulder done and that patient actually, unfortunately, required so much high-dose opioids. Afterwards, he actually went on to become physically dependent and actually developed an opioid problem. Um, and he was so apprehensive about having surgery again, uh, specifically about the anesthetic part and the need for opioids postoperatively. But we told him about our continuous regional anesthesia program. Uh, we gave him good multimodal analgesia. He had the exact same surgery done the other side pretty much, but he didn't use a single milligram of opioid after. Amazing. So totally different experience. Yeah, it was fantastic. And to have, 
you know, when you think of someone who has obviously gone through so much developing an, an addiction to opioids that they were willing to sacrifice ongoing chronic pain just to avoid p- the potential of uh, requiring those medications a second time and to be able to offer something that seems so simple um, mm-hmm. yet so impactful. That's phenomenal. Exactly. I mean, you know, the, the, the intervention itself is, is pretty simple. I mean, it's just building the systems around it right. to support them. They're building the whole ecosystem and making sure you have everything in place to make sure you can deliver this program safely. Um, that tends to be the challenge, I think, for most Canadian hospitals. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about the continuous renal, regional analgesia program at Humber? Um, yeah, certainly. So I guess we started our first continuous regional anesthesia program about um, three years ago at Humber, and that started with our uh, shoulders or our coin, continuous outpatient interscaling nerve block. Um, and interscaling nerve block is a, is a nerve block which provides regional anesthesia to the shoulder. Um, and it was a good program to start with, actually, because shoulder surgeries are already day surgery patients. Right. So they're going to go home no matter what. You know, the standard of care was usually to go home with a single shot block. So this is just an extra added bonus to them. Right. Right. Being able um, to extend that analgesia over multiple days versus, as you described earlier, a couple of hours. Exactly. Exactly. So just as I described before, basically we would do the single shot, but then we would, you know, just put it in a little small plastic tube and we we were able to continuously keep these patients nice and comfy for 72 hours. Um, and, and we learned a lot from this program um, and um, it, it did very well. I mean, and we, the reason why we actually picked this one besides the fact that they already go home is because shoulder surgery is a, is, is a, surgery notoriously associated with very poor pain control. Mm-hmm. It's actually rated as, uh, I think, the third most painful outpatient surgery. Oh, wow. um, yeah, exactly. And, and many patients require, you know, obviously high-dose opioids, and, but despite that, they still report very poor pain control. So from a patient perspective, uh, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a fantastic improvement. Right. Um, so riding on a success from that, we set our sights higher and we moved on to total knees. Um, but I, I can tell you right off the bat, you know, the, the total knee population is entirely different from the uh, shoulder population. You know, knee patients tend to be older, they have many medical comorbidities. Um, and secondly, the, the innervation to the knee is, is much more complex than the shoulder, meaning that in order to attain optimal analgesia, it, 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 it's much more difficult. So we have to do so a lot more additional quality improvement to ensure that we were sending these patients home with the best possible multimodal analgesia to support them. Right. But all of our data so far and all our patient feedback has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, for instance, I think for our total needs now, um, in the last kind of QI review we did, only about 25% at all of patients are using any opioids whatsoever for the first uh three days while their catheter's in, and you contrast that to typically what patients would get in hospital is probably on the order of hundreds of milligram opioid equivalents. But even after the catheter comes out, we're finding that only about 33% of patients are using any opioids for the next two days. So there's something about interrupting that inflammatory, noxious pain cascade early and intensely, Mm -hmm. which actually seems to decrease 
um, like I said, the, the, the incidence or the probability that you'll have greater pain after or go on to develop chronic pain. And I can imagine, uh, as you alluded to, that many patients who are coming in for their repeat uh, procedure on the opposite limb are having a very different experience. Have Beyond um, the gentleman you mentioned with the opioid use disorder, have you experienced any other sort of uh, surprising uh, revelations from, from patients at, that they didn't believe it would work this well or, or anything like that? Um, certainly. Actually, you know what? It's, it's almost even the opposite. I find when these patients come back or, or when you see, you know, people or children bring their, their, their parents in for surgery, they're shocked by the fact that um, we, we tell them their, their loved one or, or they themselves are going to go home the same day. Um, they're, they're a little nervous or apprehensive because, you know, some say, oh, I've had this surgery done before and it was terribly painful. What do you mean? You're, you're kicking me out the same day. Right. Or or what are you talking about? My father is 82. Uh, why can't he stay in hospital for a week and, um, you know, uh, go to rehab for a month after? But really, there, there, there's, there's absolutely nothing magical about staying in hospital. You know, you're, you, it, it's loud. Your sleep is interrupted. The food, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not home cooking. Yes. Exactly. So unless you really need to stay in a hospital for an actual medical reason, it's much more comfortable experience now that we have these programs to recover in the comfort of your own home where you can eat your own food, sleep in your own bed, have loved ones visit whenever you want. It, it, it's night and day. And when, once you, I find, earn patient trust uh, and you, you educate them on the program and you, 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 they know that an anesthesiologist will call them every single day while that catheter is in, um, you build a rapport with them and the patients appreciate the follow-up and the phone calls so much. And I think that would also bring sort of a sense of um, reassurance and calm, knowing, to your point, someone will be there, someone will be supporting them uh, remotely to make sure that things are going okay. And it sort of eliminates that feeling of, okay, well, I'm being kicked out, I'm on my own, figure it out. Um, so I, I can imagine that would, that would build a lot of trust um, from patients exactly. in, in their healthcare team. Exactly. Um, and I think that's why building a patient care pathway yes. with, with multiple opportunities for education and questions is, is really crucial to building patient confidence and, and trust in their care. So, yeah. And now when you mention patient education, when does that start and, and how does that look um, from, from a patient perspective? Certainly. So um, all of our orthopedic surgeons generally right now are on board with this program. So education and, and preparation starts pretty much the first time they're seen in the orthopedic uh, surgeon's office. They're, they're told that, you know, okay, you have no devastating medical comorbidities. You, you will be going home the same day. This is what's going to happen. You know, the anesthesiologist will, will explain everything and take care of you. And they were given a, a pamphlet on our same-day need program, Skip. Um, all of our patients are then seen in our pre-op or the, sorry, the anesthesia pre-op assessment clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, they receive further information um, on the surgery, on the actual anesthetic techniques and kind of what to, what to expect and experience after. And then again, on the day of surgery, you know, uh, the anesthesiologist will once again talk to them about what exactly they're going to do, confirm their telephone numbers, make sure they're, you know, they're going to answer their phone, make sure there's a a proper caretaker at home to, uh, to in order to help them out. Um, and, uh, 
we always assess our patients postoperatively as well, make sure their catheter is working properly. We're not going to send somebody home in pain whose catheter clearly isn't working and they required, you know, 10 milligrams of hydromorphone in the recovery room. That's not good care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, these patients, you know, get, get excellent follow-up even while they're still in hospital. And the nice thing about this catheter, I forgot to mention at the beginning, is at the end of the three days, they don't have to come back into hospital. It's as simple as removing a Band-Aid. They just take it at home with, with us calling them over the phone, and it, it's easy. It's all disposable. A couple of points I, I'm picking up on, on that last uh, uh, discussion. Really, it sounds like consistency is so important. So really beginning the education with the patient and their caregivers right at the very beginning and making sure that message is communicated clearly throughout the duration of their uh, preoperative care and then uh, obviously continuing into the postoperative phase. And Mm -hmm. the other thing that I I picked up on um, as well that I feel is really important is the fact that patients can then manage the discontinuation of the catheter at home independently without any complications. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, I've heard of a, a single complication with with removing the catheter. It's it, it's literally taking off the band. There's nothing sharp right. or, or or abrasive left in the patient. It's just a thin, flexible plastic tube held down by a little bandaid. You don't even need to put a bandaid on after. So, uh, yeah, p- patients are actually very surprised and shocked when you tell them they're going to remove it themselves. Right. Um, but most of my patients do, or some even before I call them on the third day, say, yeah, the bottle is empty. I, I took it out. Everything is fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really not a big deal. So I know you mentioned some of the patient outcomes that you've seen, improved um, pain control, uh, decreased mm-hmm. use, of, use of analgesic. Any other changes in patient flow that you've seen? Um, I imagine these previously were not a same-day surgery. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean... Um, typically, um, I think the number for our hospital base, and I, I'm pretty sure it's similar across Canada, we had about a typical, I think it was 2.2 to 2.4 average, uh, length of stay. Okay. Um, and, you know, we thought that was for, you know, pain control first off, because we weren't doing these continuous blocks, right. uh, physio would see them, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, so now, since I think over 75% of our patients go home the same day, so we've cut. 2.4 days down to essentially a, a half-day, same-day surgery unit uh, stay. You know, these, these patients can do physio at home. They're sent home with their exercises. On day five, post-operative, they, they're all seen, I believe, in an out, outpatient physio clinic. Um, so they're, they're not getting any less care whatsoever. It's just that they were able to recover in their own home, and some of the physio is transferred as an outpatient. So, um, yeah. So really, about it becomes more about optimizing the location of care versus keeping someone in hospital and and all of those other uh, unfortunate things that happen in hospitals that we're all, you know, all too familiar with from healthcare associated infections to <laughs> falls to disruption in sleep and really bad hospital food. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I hate to say it, but. Uh, you know, COVID has actually been a, a bit of a, a silver lining with kickstarting our program because nobody wanted to stay in hospital. And we were able to say, you know, you don't have to stay in hospital. In fact, it'd be better for you if, if, if you went home. And that's exactly what we that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, well, patients that have experienced this versus the traditional way would never go back. And to be able to um, 
make such a positive impact in patient care, I'm sure that is translating into patient satisfaction and um, all of those other great things that hospitals like to monitor. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. We've had so few dissatisfied um, patients. Um, You know, I think our our catheter in situ rate, which means how how many of our catheters actually stay in for three days, uh, rate, uh, I think our last study was over over 90%. Um, and I don't think we've had anybody return to the hospital for a catheter-related issue. Um, it's, it's just such a, a safe, easy-to-implement um, kind of intervention. Um, it, it, it's, just, it's been going, I think, better than we can imagine. Are there any plans for additional program growth at Humber? Yeah, so... Um, People have definitely noticed the success of, of the shoulder and knee program. And we've actually started doing this uh, now for our total ankle patients. I mean, the number of total ankles we do pales in comparison to the number of total knees we do. But uh, we definitely send all of our total ankles home now with um, with catheters, and they are extremely comfortable again. It's the same bottle, same rate, same flow. So uh, they get 72 hours of continuous fantastic uh, analgesia. Um, and we're now considering actually expanding that program to uh, for some of our complex uh, foot surgeries that also can be just as painful as, as having an ankle done. Very so that's where we're hopefully going to next. Very interesting. That's phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have like top three recommendations that you would share with other organizations sort of considering on embarking in implementing a continuous regional analgesia program? Uh, yeah, no, great, uh, great question. So, um, hmm, top three, what would I say? Um, one I think would be to, um, just kind of realize that outpatient catheters are, are a lot more than just the catheter. Um, they're, they're part of it, like I said, a very complex program with many moving parts. Um, some parts and some people will immediately become obvious, um, and some will become more obvious as the program evolves. Like certainly, all of this was a a continuous um, QI project for us. Um, but I think the best place to start is with a very comprehensive stakeholder map. I mean, at, at minimum, a program like this requires full buy-in from anesthesia, orthopedics, pharmacy, physiotherapy. Uh, recovery room nurses, and all the associated managers. So I think getting everybody involved very early um, and educating everybody very early will save you a lot of time and, and a lot of work. Um, other points I'd, I, I think I'd have to bring up is um, the need for enhanced collaboration between the Department of Orthopedics and, and Anesthesia. It's crucial um, this is such a, a paradigm shift from the traditional way that we manage total joints. There's going to be a lot of change, and change can be very foreign and anxiety for you know provoking for both anesthesiologists who are responsible for you know the the, the, the analgesia and pain control, and also from an orthopedic surgeon standpoint, who's you know they're, they're putting their um, their, their kind of reputation on the line. Right. So I think each department kind of has to figure out exactly what is required from themselves to maximize a patient's best or chance of successful same-day discharge. Um, and after each department has figured out, I think, their own optimizations, I think then they get together and figure out what combined efforts can be done to ensure um, 
the program will succeed. Um, and I guess in the third point, um, I kind of alluded to already, but um, it, it would be trust. Like really earning a patient's trust is, is pivotal to success. I mean, it's important to keep in mind, I think, that this program is, is not just new from an organization perspective, but also from a patient perspective. Like I said, many patients are coming for a second joint who formerly stayed in the hospital for a few days or, or elderly patients, like I said, whose family expecting to stay in for a week. So building a peer ca- or a, a care pathway with, with, with multiple opportunities for education and questions is crucial to building patient confidence and, and, and trust in their care. Fantastic. Um, I have to say, Kyle, the discussion today has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed. I've learned lots. And I'm sure that our listeners will have appreciated this discussion as well. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To listen to more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe to ensure you always receive notification. Please reach out to us by email if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. We look forward to having you back with us next time. Thank you for joining us for the episode of I Connect with Baxter. All of the opinions and experiences expressed in this episode are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Baxter Canada. If there are other areas of interest you would like to see included on future podcasts, please email those to iConnect at Baxter.com.